Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. So we're in week two of this series where we're asking the question, what's on your mind? And it just seems like we're at that place where we need to just have an honest dialogue about mental health and uh, mental health issues and struggles. And, and the truth is that all of us, okay, everyone who's here in person, everyone who's watching online, all of us struggle to some degree from time to time with what actually is part of mental health, even though we might not label it that way. And I want to say this again. We said it last week. We're going to keep saying it, that there is, um, that this is a safe place, Okay, this is a place where it is okay to not be okay because we are all messes in our own way and, and there is no judgment here. There's no stigma that's here in the midst of this for a lot of different things. One is for, for whatever may be going on in your mind, okay, there, there's not uh, shame that we're trying to cast down on you and at the same time, uh, we desperately want to encourage people to get help, uh, whether that's... Uh, being involved with a, a mental health professional and doing some counseling or some therapy and the, 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 the medical side of all of that, but we are also going to talk about it from where the Bible talks about these things and always point to the one that I know can help and to the one who wants to uh, restore your soul. And so last week we talked about things like depression and and, and grief and sadness, and if you miss that, um, and you think that, that that's, those are some topics that would benefit you or maybe benefit someone that you know, I just want to point out to you that you can go back and you can listen to that message. It's pretty simple. You go to our website, fccetown.com, and you click on watch, and you, you go to the different uh, series, and you pick this one, and you choose the message that says, I'm sad, and that's that message, and, and that is what we talked about last week. This week, we want to kind of go to the other end of the spectrum, and we're going to talk about the answer to the question, what's on your mind? Well, I'm mad, and that seems to describe lots and lots of people these days. I mean, there are a lot of people who are around us who are running hot all the time, and I, I know I don't have to tell you this, but the damage that gets done by mismanaged anger um, what that does to our world, what that does to our cities, to our neighborhoods, to our communities, to our schools, to our churches, to our homes, the impact is absolutely staggering. And so we got to talk about this stuff. And, and maybe when it comes to mental health issues, um, you would not necessarily connect anger to that, but anger is a mental health crisis, especially right now. It definitely is. And we can kind of go to something that Jesus' brother James said in James chapter one, and we've looked at this verse before, but it says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And that's been a key verse before. We've done entire sermons that are just on that set of verses right there. But let me, let me clarify something. That when you get to talking about anger, there's actually 
unhealthy anger for sure, but there is also healthy anger. And I'm not saying that as some type of a a cop-out to uh, make it okay to be angry about some things and not okay to be angry about other things, but but the reality is um, there is an honest emotion that stirs inside all of us that's called anger, and it's there and it's hardwired into us because we are created in the image of God. And whether you fully believe it or not, it's truth that we are created in the image of God. And if you read through the Bible, what you will come across is 256 moments in Scripture that tell us that God gets angry. 256 times in the Bible it tells us that. So it's, it's a reality for God. And God's anger is a righteous kind of anger, and it's an anger that comes from his love, and it's an anger that comes from his justice, and an anger that comes from his compassion, but it is an anger that is in him, and since we are being created in his image, we have the capacity to feel angry. And sometimes that anger that we feel gets pushed together with compassion in us, or justice in us, us, and and there are really good things that come from our anger. It's possible for good things to come from our anger. But here's the deal. Greek philosopher Aristotle, you've heard of him thousands of years ago, said this. Anyone can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose in the right way, this is not easy. And from my experience, we are just not people who do a great job at being angry with the right person to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, and in the right way. Our anger is typically something that just kind of stirs and builds inside of us until it is this raging inferno and it just comes flying out until we get to say what we want to say or act the way we want to act or react the way that we want to react and we end up hurting people in the process. And the Bible says that if you're always going to be pushing other people's buttons and if you're going to be picking fights and if you're going to be trying to show how right you are to so many different people, if you are always keeping score, if you are someone who always holds grudges, if you kind of spend your life feeling like you are always trying to get even with somebody, the Bible tells us that if that's how you're going to live, then life is going to be miserable for you. And as you get older, those are the kinds of people who will eventually become bitter and resentful old men and old women who find absolutely no joy in life anymore because you are locked up in a uh, self-induced prison of unresolved anger. Now, the good news is that there is a way to be angry and not sin, okay? There is a way to kind of deal with and handle this emotion of anger in a very godly and God-honoring way. And we're going to get to that in just a moment, but let's, let's figure out 
where we're starting. Okay, so let me just, transparency here. Um, you may not think this is true of me, uh, or maybe you do, but um, this is one of those areas that I have to work on all the time. Uh, out of control anger and getting mad at the drop of a hat, short fuse, hot temper, all that stuff is something that I have dealt with all the way growing up. And at times it was relegated just to competition, but lots of other times it has spread far beyond that. And so this is, this is area that I've been in most of my life, and it, it's not that anger always shows up the same way. Okay? In fact, some of you, you hear that we're talking about anger today and talking about you know, being mad, and you're thinking to yourself, well, this is not one that really applies to me. But it's possible that it does that you've convinced yourself that you don't really have an anger problem, but the reality is you don't know how your anger shows up. And, and so I, I've thought about the different styles of anger that I've experienced in my life, and, and, and so I've given them some, some names, and here, here's a few of them. Um, the first one we'll call the trash compactor. Okay, and um, when I... I walk our neighborhood um, usually early in the morning, and when I walk the neighborhood on trash day, I will typically take a different route than I normally do, and I will cut down some roads that I don't normally cut down because I am in a race with the garbage truck that's in the neighborhood, okay? And the race is not to try and beat the garbage truck. The race is simply to stay away from the garbage truck. Because when you're walking and you have nothing to protect yourself, like a, you know, a windshield and closed doors and stuff like that, you can't get away from some of the, um, the, 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 the uniqueness of a garbage truck, okay? And so I, I try and stay away, but eventually it seems that there always comes this moment where I get on the road with the garbage truck and there's no way out, okay? And when there's no way out and I'm a long way away from the garbage truck, it's actually kind of cool, and maybe you don't think this, but it's actually kind of cool to watch the garbage truck, because the garbage truck goes along, and you're putting all this garbage in from all over the neighborhood, and it's all kinds of garbage cans, and it doesn't make any sense, because there's more garbage cans and trash in those garbage cans, volume-wise, than the size of that garbage truck, and yet somehow it all fits in, and they're going to go to another neighborhood and do the same thing, and it's all going to fit in there too. And so it's maybe three, four different neighborhoods, and the reason it's possible is that there's this big steel wall on the back of the garbage truck that when you're a long way away, it's kind of cool to watch that big steel wall cram everything down, and it just smooshes everything and just pushes it forward into the, the, the big container until now there's more room for more trash to go in which is great as long as you're a long way away. But eventually, there comes a time when you're walking and they're stopping to fill up the truck that you catch up with the garbage truck and you enter inside the cloud of odor, okay? And once you are in the cloud of odor, you cannot leave the cloud of odor, okay? Because it's now in your nostrils and it doesn't matter where you go, you're gonna smell it. Okay, and the thing is that as you're going, it gets worse every time that really cool steel wall decides to push in on everything, because when it pushes in on everything, it just makes the smell go even further, and it seeps into you, and it lingers. And there's some of us who have this anger that is a trash compactor, and we just kind of push it down 
and we push and we push and we push and we bury it. People who stuff their anger and they bury it down deep, they're the people that for no reason at all seem to be moody on any given day. And they are people that for no reason at all seem to just pout. And, and when you ask them, hey, what's going on? What's, what's wrong? And they'll tell you, oh, nothing. But you know it's something. Because you can smell it. <laughs> it leaks out in all kinds of different ways on them. And there is this moment, the further they push it down, the more it smells. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter four. He says, and don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Now Paul is saying that, look, when you let the sun go down, and I know there's people who take this verse and they make it very, very literal, and so we're gonna stay up until four o'clock in the morning kind of talking through everything so that I'm not angry when I fall asleep, which I'm not sure is exactly what he's trying to get at. But the, the idea is that don't go to bed mad because if we continually stuff anger, then we, we, we give the enemy an opportunity to do some really nasty things inside of us. Because anger that's buried always, always leaks. And if you stuff down your anger, anger will poison your thought processes and anger will poison your relationships, and anger will poison your attitude, anger will poison your body for real, and anger will poison your soul. But maybe you're not a, a stuffer at all, okay? In fact, you're thinking, why would anyone repress their anger when it is so much more fun to express your anger? Okay, there are lots of people who do anything but stuff it down deep inside. Okay? There are people who are, are just ready to spew it all out and they yell and they scream and, and they cuss and they punch drywall and they kick cats and they slam doors and they squeal tires and they get really, really mad right in your face. And the littlest thing can just set them off and cause these major eruptions to happen and just kind of come out of nowhere. And so we're gonna categorize this one as the volcano. And when it comes to the volcano and you know who you are or you know that you're sitting next to one, you never know when Mount Saint whoever is gonna go off. <laughs> and lava's just gonna go spewing out. And the, the Bible does talk about these folks. Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse nine says this, don't be quick-tempered, for anger is the friend of fools. Proverbs chapter 29 in the Good News Bible says this, stupid people express their anger openly, but sensible people are patient and hold it back. It's important to look through all the translations you possibly can until you find the one that starts with stupid people. But the thing is, if you're a volcano right now, you're kind of mad at me for bringing this up because you feel like you're being insulted. Like you've been called a fool and you're being called a stupid person. I get it, because that's me. And God 
has been at work on me to the point that we've reached all the way to the point now where while I am blowing up, I can hear the Holy Spirit speaking into my life. Hey, do you recognize that everyone around you thinks you're a stupid person right now? And that you look like a fool? To this point, the Holy Spirit has worked on me to the point that I actually do hear that while it's happening. Okay? What I'm hoping to get to is that I'll hear that before it's happening. And it'll keep me from being a volcano. Maybe you're not a stuffer or a spewer at all. And maybe you would say that you don't really have an anger problem. But see, the way that you handle anger is to talk it to death. And you know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, there's somebody near you who just looked at you side-eyed because they don't want you to know that they know that this is who you are. We're going to call this person the prosecuting attorney. (laughs) One of the root causes for anger is when we feel like an injustice has been done to us. And that's when the prosecuting attorney shows up. They cannot allow for the violation of justice to rest. And so they start planning their case, okay? And and as they're planning that case, they do constant research and they dig down deep to try and find some dirt and they mark out their evidence with exhibit A and exhibit B and exhibit C and while they're talking to you, they're showing you the exhibits that kind of prove the point that they're trying to make and they're actually going back and they're resurrecting cold cases that you thought they had forgotten about that you thought didn't matter to them because we'd forgiven all that but no, that's coming back to the surface. And they're cranking up the bright lights of the interrogation room and they're badgering the witness and they're being so overwhelmingly prepared with how angry they are and the point they're trying to prove that they possess this superior intellect and this vocabulary that you didn't even know that they had until they finally make the other person crumble and say, I did it, I'm guilty, even though they're not. And that child, or that spouse, or that friend, is made to feel like a dirty, rotten scoundrel until justice is served. Here's what the Word of God says to the prosecutor. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3, avoid a fight. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools, there's that word again, insist on quarreling. Or there's also what's said in Proverbs chapter 10. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That one's pretty clear. Or maybe you would categorize your anger as the stealth bomber. Now, the stealth bomber, um, clinically speaking, this is someone who is passive aggressive. Okay? This, is, this is you kind of flying below the radar, and then kind of out of nowhere, you'll drop a little bomb of sarcasm in, and with your amazing wit and your clever tongue, 
you are able to fire off these little heat-seeking missiles that don't have on their mission an effort to destroy the person. They just want to ding them a little bit. And then, like a stealth bomber, you leave the room. (laughs) Proverbs 17. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. See, your argument would be, look, I'm not being angry, and I'm not being mean. I, I just, I'm just having a little fun. I'm not trying to destroy your life. I'm not trying to mess up your day. I just wanted to kind of give a little shot. But when you're trying to give a little shot, it is like poking a hole in a dam. And what was just a little sarcastic comment causes this flood of emotion and anger to come pouring out. You started that. And that's going to keep happening until you stop it. But let me switch gears, okay? Going from kind of who we are and how we show off our anger to some practical ways that God gives us for kind of working through this. And this is stuff that, that um, has been working in me for a long time. And just credit where credit is due, this is something that uh, Rick Warren, who's the former minister and founding minister at Saddleback Community Church in California and author of Purpose Driven Life, and um, that Rick Warren was at a conference that I was at 20-some years ago and shared these words in a very Rick Warren way. Okay, it's an outline, and all the words start with the same letter. That's very Rick Warren. And, and so these are phrases that have come to mind for me over and over and over again, and maybe they're helpful for you too. First one's this. Reflect before you react. Reflect before you react. See, usually when anger comes to the surface, and anger is the thing that's kind of coming out of us, there was something else that was deeper than that, that was below all of that, that's pushing on the anger, and anger is not really what's going on inside of us. It's why uh, psychologists refer to anger as the second emotion, okay? It's actually the second emotion because the first emotion is what's pushing it out, but we don't like to deal with the first emotion or we don't know how to deal with the first emotion, and so we find it easier to just jump to anger because we know how to be angry and be angry at someone or something. So reflect before you react and just ask yourself, where's this coming from? Because we have those, those moments where, man, we can feel our face getting red and we can feel our heart starting to speed up and we can feel our, our fists starting to clench and we can ask ourselves, whoa, 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 whoa. What's the root of this? Before I go flying off the handle here, what, what's really going on inside of me? Because right now we are in a place where that anger thing is, is a trigger for an awful lot of people and maybe for an awful lot of us. And things have just amplified um, over the last couple of years. And there was an article in the New York Times about uh, post-pandemic anger and how it's escalated. And uh, this, this journalist um, did a survey of all these different retail places all over the country and wrote down some of those stories. It's just an excerpt from it. 
She says, across the, the country, employees told stories of trying to manage customers' out-of-control petulance. There was the supermarket clerk who had to deal with a man's angry outburst in the dairy aisle because he could not find the cambonzola, the type of blue cheese that he wanted. Dealing with this outpouring of rage against a backdrop of constant low-grade mistrust has become the new normal. The storekeeper with the tantrumy customer told me, you're looking at someone and you're thinking, I don't think this is about the cheese. And it's not. Because we're living in a time when, man, people are at whole new levels of angry. And they, they, they have this anger that's building inside of them and then they feed the anger by waking up in the morning and just scrolling through social media and finding new ways to be angry. Or to have background noise that is the 24-hour news network that they just kind of leave on all day long, catching a story here and there and catching an opinion and an editorial here and there, and they just get angrier and angrier and angrier. And, and eventually we've come to a place, and, and a lot of us have been there on days or weeks or, or maybe still consistently find ourselves in this place where we're so angry and we're so mad at where we are and what's going on in our world and what's going on all around us and what's going on in our community and what's going on in our country and we just get so angry we say I'm so mad I'm so angry I just want to quit and maybe that means your job or maybe it means I just want to quit where I'm at right now and so you decide I'm going to move and if I could just move to a place where everybody looks like me and everybody thinks like me and everybody acts like me and everybody votes like me then things will be different. When you have that thought, here's the truth that goes along with it. Wherever you go, you are there. Wherever you go, you are there. Anger is always a symptom of something that is deeper down inside of you. That's why David writes in Psalm 139, search me, O God. Okay, he doesn't say search him or search her or search them or search this government or search this community. He says search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So, reflect before you react and ask God, God, help me to respond, to react appropriately. Second thing, remember the results. Now, all this is going to require some patience and, and some self-control, but with every moment of anger that we go through, there is always a moment, a moment in that anger where you have a choice. Okay? It may be a split moment, but it's a moment. And you do have a choice. We don't have to stuff it down or spew it out or litigate it or uh, bomb a person with it. It can be managed in a God-honoring way. But some of the greatest help that we're going to receive is if, before we react, we take the time to think about the result that's at the end 
of us reacting. What could be coming our way at the end of this scenario if we respond in this way? So we stop and we think ahead of time. I've got a choice here. I can post this thing I've been working on and I'm super proud of that I am ready to release into the world that I know is going to stir things up. Or I can sit, hit send on this text that I have furiously been putting together here and I can destroy this friendship that I'm in. I can react and blow up this family dinner that we're having. I can make my comment that I'm about to make and a cascade of sins that goes with it. Or I can handle this moment appropriately. And I think that most of the time we actually do part of this. We almost remember the results. Okay? And what I mean by we almost remember, it's we almost remember what the end's gonna look like. Because when we're writing that text or we're putting that tweet together or we're getting ready to make that comment on the Facebook post or we're getting ready to say the thing we're getting ready to say in a group of people that we know don't all agree with us and we're thinking and that smile's coming to our face because we think this is gonna be good. The result that we think about is the fact that I think if I say this, I win. And the result that we think about is these people are gonna be so impressed with how smart I am. And the result that we think of is how everybody else is going to back down when they see the evidence that I'm about to put in front of them. But that's not actually the end result. If we're going to think about the actual end result, and we're going to remember that, then we would think about what we're about to do or send or say does to our relationships, what it's going to do there, what it's going to do to our reputation. Because just because someone was angry with you, just because someone was mean to you, doesn't mean that you have to be mean back to them. Proverbs chapter 29 says, an angry man stirs up dissension and A hot-tempered one commits many sins. Proverbs 11. Those who bring trouble on their families will have nothing at the end. You may win the argument, but that's not the result. At the end, your family is gone. So reflect before you react. Remember the results and one more. Restrain your remarks. And I know that we've heard from James. James says, look, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. But the Bible actually gets even clearer than that. Proverbs chapter 21 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. That's pretty good. James actually goes on in James chapter 3. The first one we heard was James chapter 1. A little bit later he says, people can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil full of deadly poison, which sounds like 
it's just hopeless, that we're going to get angry and it's going to be a mess. No, James is talking about the fact that we cannot tame our tongue, we cannot control our anger without God's help. But when we lean into God's word, and we lean into time spent with God, and and we lean into um, the Holy Spirit being part of every part of our life, and not just an hour on Sunday, but we actually pay attention to the Holy Spirit throughout our life, then the result of that is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. And it's the fruit of the Spirit that becomes part of our life. And, 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 and we can't have the fruit on our own. You can't create the fruit on your own. You cannot transform you by yourself. But last week we talked about this. When we ruminate on God's truth, when we will dwell on, when we will meditate on, when we ruminate on the truth of God, then the fruit of the Spirit, it overcomes and overwhelms the lies. And it overwhelms our anger. And so the next time that you're in a disagreement with your spouse, or the next time that you get a little bit ticked off with your kids, or the next time that some guy changes lanes at the last minute in front of you without letting you know, and he never turned his blinker on at all in traffic, the next time that something goes wrong at work or at school, and the next time that you're in the store and they're out of your special kind of cheese, Remind yourself to reflect before you react. And remember the results and restrain your remarks. Now, as I was thinking about this and and also kind of remembering Easter a few weeks ago and all the things that were part of that, it struck me that Jesus had these 12 guys that followed him around. And the people who were closest to Jesus were actually some pretty angry guys. I mean, they started following Jesus because they thought that Jesus was going to squash Rome. They thought Jesus was going to set up his kingdom right here on earth. They thought Jesus was going to take their nation and put their nation back on top. And it wasn't like they thought that early on and then that changed all all the way through. We get to the, the third year of their time with Jesus and they're in the garden and Jesus gets arrested. And what does Peter do? Peter takes out his sword and he lops off somebody's ear he was angry. And Jesus says, Peter, put the sword away. If you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And then Jesus walks over and he heals this guy's ear. And Peter watches. As the all-powerful creator of the universe allows the soldiers to lead him away. And you know what happens. Jesus would become king, but not by the way of an angry sword, but by the way of the cross. And Jesus would become king not by imposing commands from a nation's throne, but on his knees washing people's feet. And Jesus would become king, but not by seeking the approval of the rich and the powerful, but by advocating for the poor and the powerless. And Jesus would become king, but not by angrily taking a nation back for God, 
but by humbly teaching his followers how to take God to their neighbors and saying, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. This is how Jesus still rules as our king. I mean, he, he is the prince of peace. It's not just a title that he carries. And he wants you, and he wants me, and he wants all of us to, to have our minds quieted, and he wants to help with that, and he wants to, to settle us down, and he wants us all to get rid of the unhealthy anger that is poisoning our lives and poisoning our relationships, and poisoning our country, and poisoning our world. So may we put down our swords and our unhealthy anger. May we be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. May we reflect before we react and remember the results and restrain our remarks, and may we take up our cross and follow our King. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we we thank you for how you have wired us and designed us in your image. And there are some parts of that that we we love investigating and exploring And then there are some parts of that that um, we seem to more constantly get wrong. And this idea of the anger and the unhealthy anger that builds inside of us that maybe even started in a healthy place but gets unhealthy really fast. God, we we don't have the capacity to handle that on our own. We need you. We need your peace. We need your mercy. We need your love. We need your grace to help us manage and navigate this part of our life. And so God, I would just ask that you would help us even this week, even this afternoon to reflect before we react, to remember the results, to restrain our remarks. May the words that come out of us and the attitude that comes out of us not seek to poison those around us and not seek to poison our lives, but instead May the fruit of the Spirit show up in our words and our actions as we lean into you. We thank you for Jesus who modeled this for us, who showed us what righteous anger, what healthy anger can look like, but he was also there to show us repeatedly how reaction is not always the choice we have to make. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.